Amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, please take it and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. We are in a series of messages that we've just simply entitled Stewardship, and we've been walking through God's Word, and we've been looking at what God's Word has to say about stewardship. And I, I told you that as we study God's Word, there are really three areas of stewardship found in His Word. The area of the Gospel, we have been looking at that for the past two weeks, the stewardship of the Gospel, and, and how faithful we are with the Gospel message, how faithful we are with sharing uh, the truth of God's Word to those who need to hear it. And, and we've been challenged, and I, I uh, have seen our church rise up to that challenge. We've been sharing people who normally have never shared their faith before, stepping out in faith and, and sharing their faith. That's, that's so important because we are stewards of the gospel. And then, of course, stewards of life, stewardship of life, stewardship of service, and also stewardship of finances and money. And so it's come time for that sermon on giving. Don't get up and run away. It's not going to be too awful hard. I, I hear people, you know, they, they, people talk about, you know, that was a good sermon or that was a bad sermon. The people who say that the sermon on money is bad, normally the ones who don't tithe. So if you hear anybody say that this was a bad sermon, just know in the back of your mind, that person's probably not giving anything. I, I say that jokingly, but the title of this morning's message is Money Talks what does it say? Your money talks, what does it say? Money does talk. If you were to examine your canceled checks or your credit card statements, you're going to see that your money talks. You're going to learn a great deal about your life, your priorities, your interests, your ambitions. Money says a lot. Someone once said, if money talks, as some folks tell to most of us, it just says farewell. (laughs) Money does talk. You may be thinking, well, if my money talks, it doesn't say much because I don't have a whole lot of it. (laughs) But the fact is, Jesus dealt often with the subject of money. Very rarely does anyone come up to me and say, Pastor, when are you going to preach that sermon on money? Often they come up and say, when are you going to preach on the rapture? When are you going to preach on heaven? Or when are you going to preach on this or that? But but I've never heard somebody come up and say, Preacher, when are you going to preach on money? But did you know that Jesus spoke more about money, perhaps, than any other subject? As a matter of fact, one-third of the parables that Jesus told, of the 38 parables that Jesus told, one-third of them dealt with the stewardship of possessions, how we deal with our money. So now as we turn to Mark chapter 12, Jesus, let's set up the, the picture. Jesus has entered in the city. His, his face is now set toward the work of the Father of what God had called him to do. He's entered into Jerusalem that's the last time. He, he's about to be crucified, and, and all of this is about to take place. The passion is about to take place. And so he, he's interested in now teaching his disciples these, these last important truths that he's wanting to instill in his followers. So please stay in the honor of reading God's Word, Mark chapter 12, and we'll begin reading in verse number 41. And he, that is Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, two, two mites, which make a penny. In today's vernacular, that doesn't mean our actual penny. This, in modern-day vernacular, is one-fourth of a cent that she put in. 
A widow's mite, a mite, is an eighth of a cent. So she threw in two mites, that's a quarter of a cent. So you take a penny, today's penny, cut it into force, and that's what she put in the plate. And verse 43 says, And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of these who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, and she had to live on. Father, now we pray that as we open this word, and Father, we speak from your word, O oh Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and speak to our lives. And Father, that we may, we may see in areas of our life that we can serve you better than what we currently do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. And all of God's people said, please be seated. Jesus in this passage of scripture is sitting in the outer court. He's, he's sitting in the court of the Gentiles and that's where the offering boxes were found in Temple Mount. The, the, they, the, the Jews and the Gentiles would always pass by these massive offering boxes, seven offering boxes, and, and they would throw in the tithe and they would throw in uh, offerings into these boxes. He was sitting there and he was watching the people as they were coming by, as they were going by one by one by one. Many wealthy people were coming through and giving out of their surplus. Some of them were very obvious in their giving. In fact, some very wealthy people would actually hire a trumpeter to come and, and to sound a trumpet in front of the offering box and play a song as this rich, wealthy person would come and give a surplus offering into the offering box, made a spectacle out of it so the people could watch them give. The rich people made a show out of it. As they were watching this little lady, this nonchalant lady, no trumpets blaring, no people dancing, no one even watching, this little lady approaches and she put in two small copper coins, amounts, as we said, to a quarter of a penny. Now notice Jesus sat by the treasury in verse 41 and he watched how the people cast it in money. The emphasis is not on how much they gave, but how they gave. And that's the interest of the Lord. Not, it's not about giving. It's not about money. It's about the heart. You've heard me say this before. I, I, I never say give until it hurts. Always give until it helps. The act of giving, the, the act of, of sharing, the, this, this idea of stewardship, God does not care about your money. God is a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God doesn't need our money, but I, I learned this early on in life, that, that if you don't tithe, if you don't give to the Lord, if you don't give to the church, God is going to get his one way or the other. It might happen that the, 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 the tire man who puts tires on cars might receive from you a, a sizable donation when your tire goes flat. Or your insurance man, your, your insurance rate might, might skyrocket and your insurance man who is a Christian and a, a, a man who gives to the work of the Lord may, may then be able to collect a little bit more than what you had planned. You see, God will always get what belongs to him. We are called to be stewards. Nothing you have belongs to you. Yeah, your name may be on it, but are you going to take it with you when you go? 
No, everything that we have, we have been given to the Lord. Everything that we have belongs to God. Nothing belongs to us. You can put your name on it. You can go underneath all of your furniture and etch your name on it. But let me tell you, when when those men carry your body and your body goes into the ground, that stuff no longer belongs to you. You see, it has been gifted to us and God has called us to be stewards over these possessions. And so Jesus is watching. This is why the scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver. If you're giving not out of a cheerful heart, but out of a grudgingly heart, then you're missing the point. You're missing the point. So Jesus is watching all these people. He's watching, and he watched this lady who gave it all. Her money was talking. Her money said something. I want us to see these three things of, of what her money said and what our money should say. Number one, what does your money say about your faith? What does your money say about your faith? This woman's money said a great deal about her faith. So many men and women, it's even mentioned here, they were coming, they were getting out of their wealth, they were giving out of their abundance. But Jesus said, this lady, he said right here, he said that she has given out of her poverty, verse 44. She's given out of her poverty. She's given out of her faith. She gave everything. Literally everything she had, she gave. You know, it's one thing to get out, get, to give out of your wealth. It's a good thing if God has blessed you to give out of the abundance. But notice that Jesus honored this woman who gave as a sacrifice. God honors those and blesses those who honor him with their possessions, whether they're large or small. And as you're faithful in the small things, God will begin to give you more things. And God will give you those things which you can be entrusted with. It's true. It's absolutely true. that You can tell the depth of a person's faith by their attitude towards money. And while we may not give our money away, our money will always give us away. It speaks of our faith. This woman believed in a generous God who would meet her needs and supply her every need. Do you believe that God is generous towards you? Do you believe that God has given you and blessed you and your family? Do you believe in a trustworthy God? Do you believe that you have trusted everything to the Lord? Have you in everything, given everything over to Christ? Many have trusted Jesus with their eternal future, but they've never really trusted him with their finances. Are you trusting him with the offering? Are you trusting him? God says in Malachi, prove me, test me, try me, bring all the tithes. Bring all the offerings into the storehouse and see, just see for yourself, he says, that if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. God says, test me, believe me, trust me. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added unto you. You see, it's the heart of the matter. It's not that we seek to be rich, Not seek first to be rich, not seek first to be famous, not seek first to do these things, but seek first what? His kingdom. Seek first God. And when we seek first God and we put first things first, he begins to bless in the rest. 
Paul writes in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all of your needs, not all of your greeds, but all of your needs, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Indeed, God is adequate and God satisfies every need that we have. And listen, when we give, when we give, it shows our belief in God like that. A, a God that we can trust in. A God that we let go. The, the, the act of worship, of giving, the, the act of opening the palm and, and letting go is an act of being faithful. It's an act of faith. It's an act of being trustworthy. Maybe you're visiting a Loma church today and this is the first time you've ever come to this church and you say, here we go again. I get so tired that every time I come to church, all I hear is money, 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 money. Brother Joe Boatwright, if you've never met him, he is a dear friend of mine. He is the pastor emeritus of this church, pastor of this church for over 30 years, back in the 70s and 80s and early 90s. He tells a story that he went to Publix one day. He, a manager of Publix told Brother Joe a few years ago, he said, Joe, do you know why I don't go to your church anymore? And Brother Joe said, well, no, why is that? He said, because every time I go to church, all I hear, all I hear is money, 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 money. Brother Joe, without skipping a beat, looked at him and said, well, you know what? I've got to quit coming to Publix then. The manager said, well, did I offend you? And Brother Joe said, well, no, you didn't offend me, but every time I walk in this store, it's money, 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 money. Can't you hear him saying it? <laughs> now, church, if, if I knew that 73% of our church struggled with lying, what do you think I'm going to preach on? Telling the truth. If I knew that 73% of our church were committing adultery, what do you think I would preach on? being faithful to your spouse. If I knew that 76% of this church didn't tithe, what do you think I should be preaching on? The reality is that 76% of our church doesn't tithe. The, the even further reality is that 45% of our church give nothing to this church. 76% don't tithe, and of that 76, 45% give absolutely nothing. One thing that you must know about Aloma Church is Aloma Church is not a white-collar church. We are very much a blue-collar church, and I love that. I love the fact of, of Aloma being a blue-collar church because blue-collar people are, are, are hard workers. They get it done, but you must understand we don't have a, 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 a coffer of millionaires who, who support and to finance and to run uh, what's going on here. What that means is that in order for us to have ministries, everybody must participate. Everyone must work. And, and I want to congratulate Aloma on the fact that right now, 24% of our people tithe. This time last year, less than 20% tithed. So we're seeing that number grow. But 24% of the people are following God at his word. And of course, that's as best as we can tell. We don't know how much people make, but that's basing uh, the giving off of the minimum wage. So 24% of those who earn the minimum wage in our church are tithing. And let me say, I don't know who gives a thing. I don't check tithing records. I don't know how much you give. You don't know how much I give. It's not for me to determine. You see, it's not for me to, to decide. It, 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 this is between us and God. This is a, an act of worship. But you know what happens when 
45% of the church gives nothing? Do you know what happens when only 24% of the church tithes? Ministries get cut. Now, I know there's a growing trend in churches today, especially on the internet, that they're speaking against the tithe and condemning churches that affirm the tithe. Now, let me take, and these are people who don't tithe, obviously, who are making this argument. But let me make their argument for them. They say, well, the New Testament never tells the Christian to tithe. In fact, they say as Christians, we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. They say that Jesus, Paul, nor Peter ever command the church to tithe. And all of that is true. Nowhere do you find Peter commanding the church to tithe, nor does Paul command the church to tithe. Therefore, they say that Christians don't need to tithe, nor should they feel obligated to support their local church financially. Now, let me respond to this. Jesus did talk about the tithe. While he may not have commanded the church to tithe, he talked about the tithe. He, he talked about it on several occasions. And furthermore, Jesus never condemned the tithe. If Jesus wanted the tithe to stop, he would have condemned it and said, we don't do this, this is what we do. He didn't set up a new practice. It was common to understand that the tithe belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. So Jesus didn't reinstate anything new. In fact, in the book of Acts, if you want to get down and dirty with it, the Christian church, even though Paul and Peter never said, you tithe, you know what they said? How much are they to give? The tithe is 10%, but what did Paul and Peter in the early church require? Not 10%, not 20%, not 50%, not even 80%. Are you getting antsy yet? They said all of it. This is the idea of stewardship. The idea that everything we have belongs to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having money. And in the scripture, when we see that people are commanded and told as as, uh, the, the rich man who came to Jesus, and Jesus said, if you want to enter into the gate of heaven, you must give it all. Now, understand, this is also not a principle. Jesus isn't telling us to to join a commune and to have everything in common. And this is not early communism here. The point of what we see in the book of Acts, what we also see with Jesus, with the rich young ruler, is simply this. It was a principle. With, With those in the book of Acts and the rich young ruler, who was their God? What was their God? Their God was money. So Jesus said, if if your God is money, then you need to give up that God and follow me. So in order to give up that God of money, you have to give everything. It's just like he said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Was he literally saying, pluck out your eye? No. There's nothing wrong with having money, but we must be careful not to allow money to be our God. Paul speaks several times of the collection of the saints. He may not use the word tithe, but when I look in the Bible, I don't see him using the word trinity or rapture either. And just because he doesn't use the word doesn't mean that he didn't believe in it. Early church history tells us and shows us that the early church tithed. That they tithed. The the generation even following the apostles. We have numerous accounts where the church tithed and believed in the tithe and then giving above that sacrifices and offerings. So why do we think that 2,000 years later we can try to rewrite history? 
Well, so many others are trying to rewrite history now in our country. I guess Christians are trying to do it now as well. I'm often asked, Pastor, can I divide my tithe to support other ministries? Can I support my favorite radio station with my tithe? Well, first of all, it's not your tithe. It's his tithe. The tithe belongs to God. Secondly, as we see in Scripture in the Old Testament, when people brought the tithe, they brought it to the temple. They brought it to God's house. When the temple was destroyed in 70 AD and in the time of Jesus, even before the temple was destroyed, there were other Jewish churches that began to to crop up. They were called synagogues. You know, Jesus taught in the synagogue. Those were little temples spread throughout uh, the, the known world. That's where Jews could come on a weekly basis and worship. We know by history that the Jews brought their tithe to the synagogues. They couldn't make it to the temple on a weekly basis. They brought the tithe to the synagogue. We see this practice again in the New Testament that, that they brought together, collect, and they collected together. Not only in the book of Acts, but we see Paul talk about this in 1 Corinthians and in other places about the collection of the saints on the Lord's Day. We, we read John Chrysostom. We read Origen. We, we read all of these men. You say, who are those men? Those are men that followed the apostles. A generation after the apostles, the, the ones who took up the mantle and carried the, carried the baton on and carried it on and on and on. And we read these men. We, we read their account of what happened with them and they came together on the Lord's day and brought the tithe that belongs to him. My conviction has always been this, that the tithe that we tithe to God through the church in which I worship. If we believe, if, if we believe in the mission and the vision of the church, then we should give to it. If, if you get something from the church, you should give to the church to help make sure that the ministries can go on. If you disagree with the mission or the vision or the direction of the church, then you should find a church that you can agree with. If you disagree with the mission of centering ourselves on Jesus, doing whatever it takes for people to experience life change, if you believe that is unbiblical and God may be leading you to a new congregation, if you can't give to this church because you disagree with the vision or the mission, I don't want to see anyone go, but you need to go for your betterment. You need to go to a place where you can serve God and give to God and to support the ministry and the work there. Now, Sarah and I tithe. We give actually above and beyond the tithe. The percentage is really no one's business. That's between us and the Lord. But we give above the tithe to this church because we love this church, but also because that's our conviction that we believe that this is what we're supposed to do. We also give to Aloma 2020. We also support other ministries outside of Aloma Church. We, we support ministries and missions and, and missionaries that, that, that we love outside this church. I say this not to blow my trumpet. I say this not to be a Pharisee as, as in the day of Jesus. I, I say this to simply say and to go on record that I'm not asking you to do something that, that we ourselves are not doing. Now, I didn't always practice the tithe. I'll never forget Sarah's dad, who was my pastor. Four years after I was saved, I was 21 years old. He, he sat me down, my pastor. He wasn't my father-in-law yet. He sat me down in his office, and he, he said, Wesley, do you tithe? I said, what does tithing mean? I've been preaching for three years and never even knew what a tithe was, never been taught. 
He said, you need to be tithing. He began to tell me what the tithe was. The tithe is the first 10%. So when you get your paycheck, you, the first 10% goes to God. I looked at him square in the eye. I said, Holly, his name is Holly. I said, Holly, I can't afford to tithe. And without skipping a beat, he said, Wesley, you can't afford not to tithe. I began tithing. You know the miracle of tithing? Even though I began to tithe and, and I, I didn't think I could do it, I started with 10% and began to give it to God. I still had enough money to buy her a wedding ring a few years later. He probably wishes that, that I would have, he would have said, you need to get 40% so to prolong the time. But throughout our marriage, we, we've, we've practiced a tie that we've never gone, look at me, I've never gone hungry. I've never gone without food. We're in no way monetarily rich, but I can say that I've never once regretted giving the tithe to the local church in which we belonged and served. There's a lot of really good ministries out there. There's a lot of really good ministries, a lot of really good radio stations, a lot of really good things that we should be investing in. But none of those things can replace the church. None of those missionaries, none of those ministries, none of those parachurch organizations are the church. The church of Jesus Christ is, is where God begins to pour out his blessings. They can never be the church. Speaking of New Testament giving, Christians, we, we give the tithe. The tithe is the baseline. That's the mark. But as Christians, we, we should be expected to give more than what the Jews were expected to give, right? Because of what he has done for us. And so we see this idea of sacrifices and offerings above and beyond the tithe. We're taught in the New Testament to give everything. The principle here is stewardship. We don't own it, but we're stewards of it. And of course, going back to this idea that the tithe is the law, I've taught this before, but I want to teach it again. The tithe is contained in the law, the law of Moses. Moses talks about the tithe and how the tithe belongs to God. And we see this spelled out through the Old Testament. But listen to me, the tithe predates the law. We meet a man by the name of Abraham, and Abraham met a man by the name of Melchizedek, the priest of Salem. This is before Moses. Moses came hundreds of years after Father Abraham lived. And Abraham gave a tithe. He gave a tenth of everything that he had to the priest, Melchizedek, for the work and the kingdom of God. You see, the tithe predates. The tithe is not law. The tithe is law, but it predates the law. It's over the law. It's a principle. When Cain murdered Abel, was that wrong? It's not a rhetorical question. (laughs) When Cain murdered Abel, was it wrong? Yes. Well, how can you say it's wrong because the law hadn't been written yet? Moses hadn't written the law. We're talking about the second and the third people in the whole world. So the law is thousands of years later. How can you say murder's wrong because the Ten Commandments hadn't been given yet? You know how we can say that it was wrong for Cain to murder Abel? You know how we can say that? Because murder, it's a principle. It's a principle. It's wrong to murder. You don't need the law to tell you that it's wrong to murder. Just like you don't need the law to tell you it's right to tithe. It's a principle. It supersedes the law. And because it supersedes the law, it never can be voided out. And so we understand the tithe is here for the church as well. It's about faith. We can either trust by faith or not. Secondly, what does your money say about hope? 
What does your son, your money say about hope? This widow gave everything that she had, all the world's goods that she had, she gave. Now, how could she do something like that? Well, you see, she had a vision beyond today. She looked into tomorrow. She looked past her earthly existence, her, her meager existence as it was, and she saw the city of gold. She saw beyond today, and she saw her tomorrows. And because her heart was, was already in heaven, her treasure quickly followed. Jesus said it this way, don't lay up your treasures for yourself on earth where, where moth and, and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Did you know that you have a bank account in heaven? And that we draw resources on that bank account every day of our life? The stewardship, it's the bank of stewardship. And as we pull on those resources, the way we use money, the way we give it, the way we spend it, the way we earn it, the way we save it, it speaks of our hope. It speaks on these items of of our account in heaven, and it goes beyond money. That's why we're doing this stewardship over six weeks. It's not just money. It's so much more than that. But where our money goes, so our heart goes. That's why this is such a, a important topic, but also why some of us here are so mad that we're talking about this. How can you say, preacher, where I should give my money or not? I'm not telling you. I'm just speaking what God's word has to say. Why don't you test it? Why don't you try it? Why don't you prove God? Take God at his word. You trust him for your eternal security, don't you? You trust him with your salvation, don't you? You trust him with your kids, don't you? You trust him with your marriage, don't you? Then begin to trust him with every area of your life. Many people are so far in debt today that they say, Pastor, I wish that I could, I wish I could give, but I, I just, <laughs> I owe the bank so much money. I saw a bumper sticker the, the other day that uh, it, it said, I owe, I owe, it's off to work I go. <laughs> and that's so true in the American culture today, isn't it? So many up to their ears in debt buying things they can't afford to impress people they don't even like. Our culture's committed to to buy now and to pay later. And some of the most anxious people I I know are those who've borrowed and borrowed and borrowed, and now they're in financial bondage and they can't get out. Listen, we offer opportunities and classes, crown ministry, and, and all these other ministries to help help you. If you're struggling with money, don't let money be your God. There are helps out there to, to help get these items straight. It's an issue of faith. It's an issue of faith. Money's neutral. Money is amoral. It, it, it's, it's how we use our money. That's the principle, right? Money can be a tremendous servant, but it can also be a very terrible master. We either control our money or our money controls us. Now, on the positive side, money can win a lot of people to the Lord. Pouring money into coffers for missions and, and ministries, it, it, it helps to build the church. Money can feed the poor. It can encourage the suffering. It can invest in lives for the ministry. Your money says so much about your hope. Finally, the third point is your money says... What does your money say about your love? 
This woman gave it all because she loved. In fact, only an hour before this event, Jesus shared with his disciples the great commandment. What is the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and your neighbor as thyself. Interestingly enough, when you gave to the temple, when, you, when this woman gave a fourth of a cent, two mites, one mite went to ministry. One mite went to the ministry of feeding the poor and community ministry. The other mite went to the church to maintain the temple for the ministries. So one, 50%, went to build up the community, to encourage the community, to invest in the community. The other 50% went into building up the temple and to, 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 to do ministries through the temple and to do uh, service and evangelism and, and those items. So is it not interesting that Jesus just taught on what we are to be about, the greatest commandment, and now we see this woman giving. She throws in two copper coins, and we know through historical evidence that 50% went to the neighbors, 50% went to God. Is it not interesting that here we see demonstrated what Jesus just taught? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. With everything we have, love God and also love your neighbor as yourself. How do we display love? Well, we display love through giving, obviously. The, the picture of love, for God so loved the world that he gave. Husband, you say, I love my wife, I love my wife, and you tell her, I love you, I love you, I love you, and that's a good thing. You should tell your wife that you love her but you know how you demonstrate your love for her. You give yourself to her. I'm not telling you to go buy a dozen roses and give them to her. That would be a great start. That, That could be something that she would really like. But you give yourself to this lady who God had given to you. We see the picture of love. Love is is demonstrated through giving. And I can see Jesus now sitting in heaven, watching, watching as we give. It's not about how much we give, it's about how we give. There are some here, and God has blessed you tremendously, and you're faithful with a lot. There are others here today, and you're not faithful. May you take God at his word. May you trust him. Your money is talking. What is it saying? 